this is where you come to hear tales of loss, redemption, salvation, perspectives, epiphanies, and self-evolution. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the glory in our stories. Scrolling through Instagram and came across a heartwarming post about a daughter and her mother. The daughter speaks about having her mom as a dental patient for the first time after years of hard work, sacrifice, and determination. One can only imagine how proud her mother was to witness her daughter reach this level of success after being goal oriented. And the daughter is just getting started. What up, TGOS listeners? Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories where I speak with Bahar Jalalian, a dental student at the Dental College of Georgia. We discuss functioning in this questionable climate of health and politics, growing up as the oldest, and the value of family. Check it out. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories. Uh, this is Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. Um, I'm only using one mic uh, today. I'm having a few <laughs> technical difficulties. Um, but as they say, the show must go on. Uh, today I had the distinct pleasure of speaking with a, a, a dental student at the Dental College of Georgia. Um, goes by the name of Bahar Jalalian. Um, I've, I've been trying to practice her name for the last few days uh, because I know what it feels like to somebody to, to butcher your name and don't have the common decency to at least pronounce it because there's so much in a name, um, as we all know. Um, Bahar, I really appreciate your time and um, allowing me to interview you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor, so thanks. thanks oh, no so problem. And you said my name beautifully. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Just like I said, just the effort. Just the effort means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what is the, uh, what is, did your name have a meaning? It does. It does. So I was born in April. Um, and my name means spring. So, oh, wow. and spring is very important in the Persian culture because that's when our New Year's is. It kind of signifies uh, new life, new beginnings. Mm. And I was, um, I'm the firstborn. So I was just kind of like, uh, and I'm also the, the first in the U.S. for wow. my whole family, for the whole like ancestry of my family. So it kind of just was a symbol of like new life and new beginnings, um, yeah. having a daughter here in the U.S. So, so that's why they kind of like thought of it all together. And so Bihar, Bihar is, is spring. Mm-hmm. How many siblings do you have? I'm the eldest of three. Mm-hmm. I have a um, brother who is a second year at UGA right now. And then I have a younger sister who's a senior in high school. So big age gap. <laughs> I'm kind of, we joke all the time, the three of us were like, I'm the mom, really. Yeah. I'm the second mom. Because <laughs> there's such an age gap. I'm the old lady, and they're yeah. just my two, my two nuggets, my two kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm the, I'm the eldest. And so that, with that, it came like a lot of responsibility and everything to yeah. be the real big sister right now. I understand that because I am the, the youngest in mine. Yeah. And I have two older sisters. So, uh, oh wow, baby yeah. boy! Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm so, sure they took care of you. Yeah. Growing up, growing they up. they did, and I used to get offended when I said, "Are oh, you spoiled?" I'm not spoiled. In hindsight, I was. Yeah. I say that to Bita, my 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 little sister, all the time. I'm like, you know, you're always gonna be the baby. <laughs> yeah. And that come, there's a lot of privilege that comes with yeah. get everything you want. It, it does, even at uh, because even now at 35, when I'm with my family. Yeah. There are moments where I'm like, yeah, I still feel like the youngest, but it's still, yeah. um, fortunately now we can all have equal conversations because we're all adults. Yeah. Uh, but when That's we reminisce, it's, it's always me being the youngest, me having to be hid from certain aspects of life. Because yeah. like, there were certain things and experiences that I got introduced to later 
and they had it already bypassed now. But I was just, I was shielded. My mom said, my mom and my sister said I had virgin eyes. Because yeah. I would see things as they appear, not as what they really are. Yeah. But having you guys as older siblings and being that, like that second parent, yeah. you know, that's, that's a huge responsibility. Because you guys, you literally have to grow up quicker than we did. Yeah. So. And then a lot of things we do first. So we just, we experience it on y'all's behalf. So yeah. we kind of, like I was the first to apply to colleges and now my, my sister's applying to college this year. And yeah. so she's just learning from a lot of, of what I have gone through already. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, and it's great. It's great. I wish I had that, um, when I had applied to college because neither of my parents went to college, mm -hmm. but, um, at the same time, I'm so I feel so fulfilled and so happy to help her get through that yeah. and be there for her. Because yeah. um, it's not easy. It's not easy, and I know that. And if I can relieve that stress for my siblings, then there's no... But, like, even as the youngest, I will say, too, I, and I don't know if you felt this way with your elder sisters, mm -hmm. but I feel like the even though you're the babies and you get spoiled sometimes, there's also some pressure to live up to some expectations totally that have all, already been set. So yeah. it's give and take. I think both sides have some challenges that kind of go with it too. Because yeah. she feels that all the time. She's like, well, you're in dental school. I'm gonna, I have to be a, a surgeon. <laughs> and she does. She <laughs> wants to be a plastic surgeon. So oh, wow. she wants to definitely one up older sister yeah. <laughs> with that. Uh, and she can do it. I know she can. <laughs> I remember when I was in school, mm -hmm. at some point, because we all went to the same through the same school system, and a lot of the teachers that had them, they were like, "Oh, you're such and such, brother." So yeah, I was like, so they had expectations. Exactly. And I was a class clown, but my sisters weren't, oh. so they were in for a rude awakening. Oh my goodness, <laughs> no. Yeah, um, but uh, that's that's awesome, and um, even now, um, I take it that you're closer to getting closer to graduation. Um, how is that dynamic uh, amongst your siblings? Like, are you able to pass on your experience, uh, just your general experience as a college student? Are you able to pass that on? And what are you informing them as you go through this, especially with all the changes that's taking place? Yeah, so uh, one thing I always have emphasized to my siblings, and, and this has been my experience, and, you know, by all means, not everybody has to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, to be successful, but from my experience, education and working hard academically has never let me down. And I've always emphasized that, that to my siblings. Like you focus on your school and, you know, whatever field it, it may be, you know, because my, my, my parents were a little bit different. They were always like, doctor, 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 doctor. Mm -hmm. But I always put to my siblings, I always said, whatever you love, commit to it 100% focus on it, put all your effort and your energy into it. And if you can do that academically, it will never let you down because there have been things that I've, the, you know, that I've, I've, you know, done outside of school and felt like, you know, my energy sometimes was not channeled properly, but, you know, focusing on, on getting a high test grade or getting good grades in school, it's always, has always helped me kind of move on to the next step in some way. Like whether it be a scholarship and, and you know, you need high, you need to be a high achiever to get scholarships or whether it be like professors giving you more opportunities to do research or to do things like that because you've proven yourself. There's yeah. always gonna, you know, there's, there's always some sort of light at the end of the tunnel even though when you're working so hard you don't really see it sometimes yeah i've always you know towards the end been like oh well like my undergrad i've been like those were the hardest four years of my life but i got into dental school like yeah i worked really really hard but then okay it got me into dental school all that hard work or you know in high school i worked really really hard but i got you know full ride to emory so it, mm. there was a light at the end of the song there was something in the and you just got to push through those that tough tough time when you are studying or you don't feel like you know it's working for you and you're tired of it you know i think that i think that 
one thing this that is is great about the academic system although not you know it still has some downfalls for some who who still really really work hard i think that you know there are some benefits to working hard in school and and achieving you know academic success so i i emphasize that to that to them all the time mm -hmm. um, it's a challenge it's a challenge because like my brother, he's more business oriented. Mm -hmm. My sister, she's very science, scientifically inclined. Like I said, she wants to be a plastic surgeon. So I kind of am able to communicate more with her on that level. Yeah. But as an older sister to my brother, who is more interested in entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. kind of not necessarily academics, yeah. I think sometimes I struggle, you know, to relate to that. And I would like, you know, to find a way also to be like, you can do that too and communicate more in that life. I just don't have a lot of experience in that area, you know, to kind yeah. of guide him in that way, which I'd love to, I'd love to learn, but that is like a risk too. Like yeah. entrepreneurship is a risk, you know, and I, I even more so am so proud of people who are able to take that leap of faith. Yeah. And just, you know, invest in a business or, you know, take their, you know, business ideas or invention ideas and go forward with that rather than mm. just you know studying all the time yeah like i usually do <laughs> which is good and obviously is paying off yeah i hope so i hope so don't jinx me Calvin. <laughs> don't jinx me <laughs> knock but, on wood i still got i still got a ways to go but do you find yourself uh bestowing your own expectations on your siblings or have you do you still because i know a lot of older yeah. siblings still struggle with that yeah, I, th I think if you ask my siblings, they'll probably say yes, you know, yeah. um, but but I try and do it in a way that I let them know, like, I know you can do this. Like, I, it's only because I believe in them so much. Mm -hmm. I believe in them more than I believe in myself. Yeah. Um, like for me, I um, didn't. I, like even dental school I only applied to like three places because I didn't think even though you know I had a pretty good statistics um, academically and on the DAT and everything I just didn't believe in myself enough to reach beyond where I think I could have gotten accepted mm -hmm. you know so but for my sister now I tell her you apply to those Ivy Leagues you apply to any school you want to get you know even don't have any doubts about yourself because it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah. And I believe in you and you should believe in yourself. So, mm. you know, so she's applying everywhere right now. <laughs> there isn't a school she's left unturned. Wow. Yeah. So uh, what do you get your personal drive from? Like what, in, what, in, what influences you when you wake up and to keep doing what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so part of it, uh, I hate to sound pessimistic, but, but, but part of it is um, I have no other choice. Mm -hmm. but to be successful yeah I don't come from a successful family um, like I said I'm the first to go to college um, I got a lot of classmates that have parents who are dentists mm -hmm. or doctors already and um, they're kind of already living living pretty good mm -hmm. but um, for me my parents are getting to a certain age where it's like getting uh, you know harder for them to work I'm the oldest child I know that and I know by, by nature, I want to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. And I have two siblings who are so young and so not even close to a state of earning any income. So, you know, uh, even though success is more than finances, right now I, I genuinely have no choice but to become successful financially for my family. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like me or who else yeah you know yeah. so so that's that's the first thing that really really drives me is that i'm not doing this for myself i'm doing it for them yeah um very so, sacrificial honestly yeah <laughs> well it's okay it's okay because i um i love i love them so much and i know that we will you know hopefully together be overjoyed and um and happy once i am able to have that stability for us yeah you know um, and then i know too that like they like especially particularly my parents they've made their sacrifices already in their youth mm -hmm. to raise three kids and you know in america yeah um so so it's kind of like a 
passing of the baton. It's like my turn now <laughs> to kind of do that. Um, but in addition to that, genuinely, Calvin, like what wakes me up every morning, especially now, is I love seeing my patients. Wow. I love every bit of it. I love every bit of it. Even yeah. the ones that don't, like, even when you've, like, you know, add to it or if you have it, like, you know, <laughs> I, I just, because that's a human being and I love getting to know them and I love just taking care of somebody every day. Yeah. Every day, if there's an issue, I've resolved it by the end of the day. And that's just so gratifying. Mm. Um, so that really, that's, that's another huge motivating factor for me right now. Yo, keep tuning in as we take a quick break and be right back. Are you stuck at home with nothing to do because COVID-19 has been mean to you? The season has changed and the kids are out due to Thanksgiving and the people's doubt that this pandemic will seize its spread. Wishing 2020 was a dream in one's head. But here we are with rules and new normal ways of conversing and settings not formal. Stimulus checks are good, but won't fix this financial crisis, creating our fits thrown when we see our bills and expenses. So from this turmoil, we build mental fences, blocking out negative notions of life as we rest and dream hopeful thoughts through the night. Let's keep maneuvering through this fog of frustration for our aspirations still await our next move. If there is anything I've learned from the Queen's Gambit, is that losing isn't the end, but the beginning of growth and learning. And now, back to the episode. I know a lot of people speak on uh, determining, when you're in the process of determining determining where you want to go as far as work, yeah. um, whether you are an entrepreneur or somebody that uh, decides to pursue the more commercial route, yeah. um, being a solution to a problem is like the best route to go. Because if you have something that can fix somebody's brokenness in some degree, yeah. you're doing great service. And it seems like you're not just doing service to your patients, you're doing service to your family. And that's a heavy load, but it's a load you don't mind carrying. And I think that's where the beauty is, because you actually see uh, goodness in providing something for somebody else, even if you probably don't get a expected return investment like having to deal with somebody like a patient with an attitude or somebody that's going dealing with their own issues you're like mm -hmm. you know what i'm going to put that to the side and give you what you need yeah and i can obviously see that thank you thank you so much so that's that's pretty cool thanks um so um why uh why dentistry why did, what got you interested in that yeah so um there's like a there's a couple of things so just to be blunt, my 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 mom has always wanted me to be a dentist. Ever since ever since I was a kid. I don't know why. Like I said, I was joking about you because she's patient mind now. But I was joking that mom, you just want me to be a dentist so I can fix your teeth and you yeah. know be your personal dentist. Um, but you know, she always preached to me that it was a great career um, for someone who wants to have a family and then still be able to. You know have a career as well and be able to focus on both because it's it gives you access to a flexible schedule and mm -hmm. still being able to you know do things um, socially as well um, like raising a family and and having family life but for myself um, I had always you know kind of shadowed in different areas I worked in a pharmacy for six years mm -hmm. um, I worked in a hospital at Gwinnett Medical Center. I worked there. Um, and I also was shadowing dentists at the time. So I knew that something in healthcare was what I was passionate about. Um, and I um, it didn't really, like, I didn't really hone in on dentistry until I went to Iran one year. And we, we go to Iran, uh, which is where my parents are from, 
about every three to four years. It's been harder now with their yeah. current situation and with me being in dental school. It's just, I travel so infrequently, but um, I went to Iran and for the first time I, I didn't visit my, usually I go visit my grandparents, my cousins who are all kind of, not necessarily like uh, high income areas, but like middle class places in Iran. Mm-hmm. But for the first time I visited uh, my family, my like huge family that live in the villages in Iran. Mm. And I've got, and I didn't even know I was related to these people. Um, and when I went there and I was, I was, I was thinking I was like 13 at the time mm-hmm. when I went there, I was just so blown away on every level by, you know, the, it's a third world country by the lifestyle and the hygiene. And I mean, the, the people are literally living in like caves. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was playing most of the time with the kids mm-hmm. and, um, just on every single level, I was shocked um, by by their the like things that I took for granted and knew to be common sense, mm-hmm. and the things that they didn't really know. Particularly, like I'm talking about, like taking care of your teeth and brushing your teeth, and and I was really really you know shocked by all of that, and so. I did a little bit more research later, I think when I was like 16, because I kept reflecting back on that because I, you know, I was getting into arguments with my cousins, like, you know, you need to brush twice a day. And they were like, no, you don't need to do that. Like, that's not, it's not going to make a difference. Look at my teeth, blah, 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 blah. And actually in Iran, especially in the rural areas, they don't have dentists. They own the dentists because it's not profitable for them in rural areas. The dentists are only in urban cities like the capital city, Tehran. Mm -hmm. But in rural areas, you basically just have people um, who are doing apprenticeships or they just like learn by trade. They just kind of extract teeth when necessary, but no one really restores teeth. There's not any, you know, kind of system in place. It's mostly like... If there's anybody, it's like hygienists, and the hygienists just do two years of training, and they perform, you know, extractions, any dental work necessary for the people in that village. So I was just like, I just became super, super passionate and focused on, like, oral hygiene education, not only in America, because it's still still in the United States, not considered... enough as a medical problem taking care of your teeth Mm -hmm. um and in in other countries even more so like third third world countries it's even more so underserved yeah so my goal is kind of to to be practicing in the united states but to, to with my free time open up some free clinics in iran and especially in the rural areas and provide some care, but also some education to those the people in those areas. Because, you know, I can help and do any fillings or, or any restorations or any dental work But during my time there. But I feel like the education and the influence that I leave behind will be even more powerful. Yeah. Because they'll take that, the people will take that with them for years and years. Mm-hmm. So I just became really, really inspired at that point and kind of found my niche. Yeah. Um, to kind of show people that this is really important it's not cosmetic it's not just teeth as some people say it's it's something that is the first place where substances like enter your body Hmm. this is about overall health systemic health it's it's also mental health and so many aspects dentistry um is is a medical field and I think whether it be in Iran whether it be in the United States with insurance companies not you know not providing dental for people like it's still not taken as seriously as it should be yeah so that's, that's kind of like my goal my big goal <laughs> that's, in life <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool um, you obviously want people to be informed yeah of the importance of the importance of the wellness yeah and a lot of people, once they, they automatically assume that they are the source 
of somebody's betterment in any situation. But when you actually say, hey, this is something that you can do. This is how you can take care of yourself. If you want to um, do well in certain aspects in life or anything, obviously you will listen and you will apply. But you obviously genuinely want to make sure that they have the necessities and the accessibility to some information that a lot of people probably aren't willing to share. Yeah, exactly. Most definitely. Yeah. Knowledge is power. And so if you can just teach a kid something, you know, and, and then they pass it on, then you've kind of, you've set a, you've set a trail mark for, for a better future, Mm -hmm. wherever it be. So especially in such a, in such a reversible disease, you know, I think that like some people don't even recognize that there is a big difference that can be made with just that that little change in you flossing every day or you adding another you know minute to you brushing your teeth yeah it's really really powerful it sounds like a joke it sounds insignificant <laughs> you know it sounds yeah. like all right you're just preaching you know <laughs> preaching yeah. to the choir but it is true it is this is one of those diseases that is so preventative based I'm probably a lot of dentists hating me right now because I'm preventing them from making money. Yeah. But it's so preventative based. As someone who doesn't have a lot of money, I'm okay telling people you don't you can prevent all of this, yeah. all of these expenses. You mm-hmm. know, just start early and just continue. One thing that I was appreciating about um, Bahar becoming a, a dentist was that she is very helpful. She doesn't look at herself as uh, the source of somebody's solution to a problem, but as somebody that can educate them, help them, uh, help them where they are so they can get to where they need to be. So I was uh, it was very informative, you know, listening to her and she gave her advice and her instructions as a, a dentist as a pending dentist um but um having a heart like that we need more of that in the health system especially now so continue to listen to the latest episode of the glory not stories uh with miss bahar jalalian and informing people about taking preventative measures yeah and like you said a lot of the big corporate uh heads are like you're basically telling people our secrets uh, to prevent us from making more income but i'm but going back to what you were saying even before the interview, yeah. and I think you mentioned it, the importance of people. Yeah. Like you're overlooking people. Yeah. It's not your number. It's yeah. not an increase in your, you know, in your income. This is this is a human being and they you can change their life. Yeah. You know? And just like your patients, like you know, you you can tell when your patients feel like they're not being uh, serviced well right. or they're being disregarded or overlooked. Right. Exactly. And um like you can tell that um but speaking of caring and having somebody have such a huge influence on you um for those of you who are listening um bahar put on instagram um uh, the importance of having her mom as a patient and the story behind that like it just blew my mind to think that somebody in this position being a, a dental student and having those responsibilities have so much right literally riding on you and for you to actually pay attention to that and say hey this is this is bigger than me mm-hmm. so like how to so what's the story about behind having your mom as a as a patient yeah so um my mom she um she grew up in iran and um she a little bit of a backstory, but um, she was one of those kids that I had just described in Iran who didn't know a lot about taking care of her teeth and things like that. Um, and so from a young age, had a lot of dental problems. Um, in Iran, and typically they have arranged marriages, and um, she had an arranged marriage to my dad when she was 18. And she had never met him personally. Uh, they kind of had some phone calls over the phone, but it was arranged by their parents. And mm-hmm. so she was put on a plane and she, you know, 
was sent to to the United States to to be with my dad. Um, my at the time, and I, and I joked on that story. She, you know, Iran is a completely different world, different mm-hmm. rules, different regulations. And when she, when she, she tells me, she's like, when I got to the airport, I saw people, I saw women in shorts, and I didn't even know that was possible, <laughs> like that you could wear shorts outside your house. Wow. She didn't, you know, it was just a whole new world to her, to her eyes. Yeah. Um, she didn't know any English, so I was raised uh, when she had me. Because I was the first child, she didn't have my siblings till way later. Mm-hmm. When she had me, she just knew Farsi, so my first language was Farsi. Oh. I was in ESOL for a couple of years, and because <laughs> I knew that was, even though I was born in the United States, you know, mm-hmm. I was kind of just like fresh off the boat, as they would say. Yeah. Still, yeah. Um, so yeah, we she she um, she didn't know any English, and I kind of learned English faster than she did because I was in the education system, mm-hmm. you know, where she was most of the home, most of the time, like at home or with my dad speaking, you know, Farsi. And then he would any kind of like work or anything. Cause they had like a little family chicken wing restaurant at the time when oh. she first came here. Yeah. Um, he was established more because he had been here 10 years in the United States before my mom came. Mm-hmm. So he knew English and everything kind of would, would help with that. But growing up, you know, I, I kind of was felt like sometimes I was, you know, parenting her because I was like, Mom, I can help you, like, um, apply for this job or, like, I, do you need help filling out this? We'd go to doctor's visits and stuff and I'd fill out my own medical application and, like, I'd, or she'd have a doctor's appointment. I'd fill out her medical application, you know. I, yeah. I had to really grow up really, really fast to kind of help my mom survive in the United States with all this going on. And um, my siblings, you know, were born and I would take them to open houses and kind of like, you know, pretend I'm a young mom or something like that. (laughs) And um, and so I talk about in my post that it, it was it always felt like a huge, huge burden to be a foreign kid yeah having to help my mom and like do all of this and i you know not just be a child yeah not have time to go hang out with friends or um just do what kids do i don't even know what kids do really when they're little because at the time i was just doing my parents taxes or helping them with their restaurant i would get off from school and start serving people at the restaurant so Mm. um it 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 felt like my entire life was just kind of work, 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 work to get to a certain point. Yeah. And that day, when my mom came for her dental appointment, and I'm not and not saying I'm anything yet or I'm anywhere yet, but when she came for my dental <laughs> appointment, I just felt like, oh, yeah, this is this is what it was for. Mm-hmm. I got here. Like I am taking care of my mom. I know I'm not a dentist yet, but I'm I'm her dentist. Now I'm not just like her little girl, you know, I'm not I'm not, you know <clears throat> sorry I'm getting a little bit emotional, but no, like okay. I'm something. I'm yeah. something and I can I just felt like I could finally breathe a little bit, you know, because I was getting closer to a point where it all felt worth it (laughs) yeah it all felt worth it because i was just on cloud nine you know like everything we are no it wasn't a waste Mm -hmm. it wasn't a waste of your childhood it wasn't a waste of your whole life and you now feel like you've lost something no you didn't lose anything and and being in that moment with my mom i just felt like her journey as an 18-year-old girl coming into a new country, and me as like a 25-year-old performing dentistry for <laughs> one of the first times, yeah. you know, it all just kind of was meant to be, you know, from, from you know, where, where she was and all the sacrifices she made to all the sacrifices I made and to us kind of being in this moment together as mother and daughter, it it's all worth it. Mm. And it was all meant to be, you know, she, she, 
truly, she truly, you know, even though, you know, she, at that time I felt like she pressured me into being a dentist or she, you know, she truly as a mother sacrificed her youth to raise me to be this person that I am today. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just, just coming to that realization and being in that moment with her was just, it was a very fulfilling day. And so I'm really, really, I'm just really glad that we got to share that moment. Yeah together yo what's up to you guys listeners i thought i'd do a quick plug if you're interested in any of my other content uh you can check out my music or my poetry at, on my youtube channel just go to youtube type in calvin pennywell and there i am if you're interested in my blog it should be attached to my instagram account uh just look up supermen that's s-u-p-e-r-m-e-n and um yeah thank you all for listening to my podcast we're in the mid 90s right now and we're almost mid- hitting 100 so thank you all for all this dedication so uh yeah and now back to the episode there's this movie called uh mars need moms too. Oh yeah. Do you remember it's, seeing it's that? It's an animated film, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw that. I'm pretty sure. I love animated movies, so. So, I was watching it. Oh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. But the one part that really got me was, at the end, um, there was only one helmet with oxygen in it. Two. It was two. Yeah. But the suns broke, and for maybe a minute. The movie is shown from the son's POV, and all you see is the mom taking hers off and putting it on him. And he's like, no, no. And she was like, and the whole, like the kid from the beginning, obviously he's being like this jerk to his mom. Yeah. But she did what she did, like her life, sacrifices that she made, what she was doing for him. Yeah. was all for him and to see her take her helmet off and give it to him yeah. I was like wow you know yeah. so going back to what you were saying about your mom yeah. and how that feels and when you get to a point where you hear and you look back in retrospect yeah. and you see everything that you've gone through and you're like wow it was definitely worth it because yeah. a lot of people would go back and say, I wish this didn't happen. I wish that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But of all the decisions, even going looking back at my life, yeah. um, the most pivotal moment for me so far was, um, well, after that was getting married. Yeah. But before that was getting my first book published and having that release, the book release, and standing there in front of my mom, the one person that never said, you need to stop writing. Like, she never told me this. There were moments where I would get in trouble for my writing, but she never told me to stop. And having the parents, people that support you yeah. and push you, yeah. and you get to that point where you're like, yo, it was all worth it. Yes. You know, it's, it's hard not to, for something like that, to pull at your heartstrings. Okay. Because you're like, wow, this I've, I've gotten this far. So, just from the outside, yeah. I do think that it's very admirable uh, that you did that and continuously do that. For your family and for obviously for yourself but you're putting your family first and having that sacrificial heart that's going to go a long way especially with your patients yeah i hope so i hope so i and i this can be controversial or whatever but i don't think anybody should be in the position because it is such a it, it is a privilege to even be in this position but if you're not willing to have that kind of quality of self-sacrifice you know, that for me is what makes you a good caretaker. Yeah. You know, I've been caring for people my entire life and that makes me a better clinician mm-hmm. because I am willing to sacrifice extra minutes out of my lunch. I didn't have lunch today. I was still in clinic taking care of a patient. Yeah. But that's what it's, that's what it's all about, you know, mm. is being able, that's, 
I don't know. So I just think that it is a necessity in being a healthcare provider. Yeah. Is to put other people first. Hmm. You know. Yeah, I totally, yeah. totally agree. Cause, um, when, man, like when when you're in a vulnerable position, and somebody looks at you and say, "I got you." Yeah. And you're like, yo, I'm, I'm usually the type of person to take care of myself, especially a lot of us who get so prideful. Uh, but for somebody to say, sit back, relax, let me take care of you, yeah. it's a huge relief. Yeah. And you sometimes overlook the fact that maybe this person was, was created, born specifically for that. Yeah. And you start appreciating it yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Um, but going into a different direction, because I... I noticed that you are a really hard worker, but I know that some people work hard and play harder. So what do you do to, to enjoy? Yeah, Cause I know yeah. being a student, especially now, I mean, once yeah. COVID hit, it totally shook my, it, it, over, it never occurred to me that you all's life was sh completely shifted as well. Yeah. Um, deadlines were pushed back yeah. and workload, workload probably tripled. Oh yeah. So what do you do to yeah. unwind? It's hard. It's it's really hard right now because, um, uh, you know, the because of the situation we we are mm -hmm. in, being social and having social interactions, you know, yeah, um, are all off the table. So I've just been kind of focusing on things that I enjoy for myself to kind of, you know, um, give me uh, be stress relievers after a long day. For me. Physical fitness is my number one mm -hmm. stress reliever. It's a very personal activity for me um, because I I have I've been overweight the majority of my life. Mm. So um, getting to this point, this healthier point in my life, because I was overweight for most of my life, and then I had an eating disorder, and to be able to get away from that and be at a really good point in my life where I feel like I I enjoy food yeah i can enjoy food and you know eat it with pleasure and without the kind of stressful triggers that i used to have mm -hmm. to be able to enjoy that and then also enjoy exercise and finally feel like i've found a healthy balance that has been a really really um significant change in my life because mm -hmm. if you had asked that kid that was at the chicken wing restaurant <laughs> <laughs> If she would ever enjoy weightlifting <laughs> in her future, she would have laughed at you. Wow. You know? Yeah. So that's something I love to do. I go to the gym like every single day mm -hmm. and I put in my music and that's just my my me time. Mm -hmm. That's the time that I just I don't even see other people <laughs> around me, you know. Yeah. That's probably my only like really rude <laughs> selfish time. I'm like, it should no, be. I don't even know who's here, but yeah. I'm working out right now. I, I totally get that because um, my go-to is cardio I love running yeah I did a lot of that during COVID oh because oh. the gyms were closed oh yeah 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 and it's um, still and it's weird because um, I'm even a little bit skeptical about still going to the gym so I'm yeah. whenever I go I yeah. do have to make sure that I'm secluded yeah and um, when the gyms first started opening up I was like how's that gonna work because yeah. you're in open space and obviously there's still a lot of people. I'm yeah. I'm guilty of being one of them, but I do make sure that I'm just away from people. That's smart. Still people come in there and they don't wear masks. Like you, you have to wear a mask to get into the YMCA. But as far as once you pass that point, they it's, don't mind if you take it off. Yeah, it's um, open. But that's one thing that I did a lot is, is cardio. And it's, yeah. it's a mental escape. It totally is. It totally is. And, and we need that. Yeah. We need that. I think that whether you meditate or whether you, you know, run or something like that, if you give yourself 30 minutes of mental escape a day, mm -hmm. it's so important. It's life changing. Man, and to to do what you do, then have that time to yourself and repeat that cycle. Yeah. That takes a great degree of discipline. Thank you. So, uh, what did you, just a quick question? What did you get that from? Is that something that you've always had, and it's just now? developing differently or is that something that you had to acquire um again i think it came partially like i said you know i had no other choice it came out of necessity to 
to do everything right mm -hmm. um, because I needed to move from point A to point B, you know, I needed to take everything higher from where we were starting. Yeah. Um, but also it, it does come from, I have to give some due credit to my, to my family, to my parents. Mm -hmm. um, they did really, really academically, you know, I couldn't get Calvin, I couldn't get less than 100s growing up, not just A's. Mm. I had to get 100s. I was coming out of like social studies classes with 111s in the course because wow. I had done every single assignment. I had to do it perfect to a T and then I had to do the extra credit assignments too. Yeah. So there's a lot of discipline um, academically from my family. I wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers mm. growing up or, you know, if I, if we hung out, if we, I hung out with anybody, it would be like our family friends, Yeah. you know? So definitely it was a very, um, very strict conservative family growing up mm -hmm. so i think that info they're they're chiller now they're just, <laughs> i'm 25 now but, yeah. but th that definitely i think i think as a child that really is a, a, a significant stage in your life where you develop a lot of your thinking mm -hmm. and so growing up like that definitely affected um my self-discipline because now i you know i don't have the parents above but I myself am policing myself and making sure that yeah. I'm focused and disciplined and continuing to put in the, the hard work. And it's obviously uh, paying off. Thank you. So that's Thanks awesome. So Thank you. Yeah. Um, for the sake of time, I guess I'll, I usually ask a particular question, but I wanted to change it up. Okay. Um, and this will be the last one. Okay. Not sure if you already touched based on it, touched base on it, but what's one thing that has happened or something, an accomplishment? Yeah. that you have made in your life that you are the most proud of? Ooh. That is such a good question. That is such a good question. Hmm. For me, gosh, this is gonna sound, this is gonna sound crazy because it has nothing to do with me. Um, I think that when I look at, cause I'm, I, you know, I'm not necessarily ever, I'm never really proud of myself. I still think I have a lot of self growth. Yeah. Um, and I think I have a lot of, um, strength that I need to build over time. I think I'm, what I'm most proud of is the, the impact I have had on my siblings and the strength and I that I see in them and I'll give a couple of examples just kind of like because I, I feel like that sounds vague but one example is my sister is in a um, demographically so a demographically high income she's only one of three low-income students in her high school and it's demographically um, very few minority in her high school. Mm. And that girl is her, her student body class president wow. and the president and founder of multiple clubs in that school. Mm. And so I like, am so, so proud that of like the future that I see in the youth and the part of like the, what I feel like I have been able to, from my hardships growing up as like, you know, what I call myself a 9-11 baby, but like a Middle Easterner who grew up during 9-11 times, yeah. to be able to see the confidence in these kids. Like that makes me proud. Mm. That makes me proud that it's like, and there's still struggles and everything to this day, there's still, you know, discrimination and everything, but to, to instill some sort of confidence in my brother and sister that, you know, you should be proud of who you are Yeah. as a minority, as, you know, a low income student, like use that, use all of that to your advantage, you know? Mm. Um, and so when I see them being confident and, and, you know, 
carrying themselves the way they vote. They're so cool. They're like the coolest kids in all the group. And I was never that, you know, I was never the popular one. I was, when I see them have that sort of confidence and, and, you know, power within their social communities, that makes me happy. When I see them going out and having a good time, that makes me happy. Because yeah. I know that I told them, you do you, you go have a good time, yeah. you know. I didn't necessarily do that myself, but it makes me really, really proud to see them enjoying their lives and being the strong people that they are. Yeah. You know, so that kind of impact, that's probably what I'm going to be most proud of, like, is, is who they are today. Yeah. And I guess the... So cool thing is seeing where you are now and imagining how much greater possibly they can get or accomplish and I used to it never dawned on me that our parents as parents your desire is always your child to do greater and to do more yeah and to look at our parents like you did a lot so that means I eventually I would do more because you're handing off the baton where you couldn't go, I will go further, and, and so on and so on. Exactly. But exactly. wishing that upon your family, you know, that's yeah, that's awesome. They're gonna do, they're gonna do great things, this too. So. And we need it. We need it. We needed a. We need change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, yeah. not to say that you know you and I at our point in life can't accomplish that. Yeah. But it just feels good to see what these kids are doing these days because yeah. they're on a whole nother level they're they expect diversity yes that's an expectation for them yeah they expect equality they ex, you know they expect justice and fairness mm. you know whereas we because you know or any you know older generation didn't necessarily see that so it's not it wasn't necessarily an expectation in the workplace in schools in the community yeah um but they get shocked if they don't see that yeah and that's a, it's beautiful i agree it's beautiful because it means there's you know some mm. some development there and some change in in human expectation yeah and i really do hope that continues yeah um, but thank you, Bahar, thank for you. your time. Thank you so much. Such and, an honor. And uh, thank you for sharing that story with your thank with you. your mom and your parents. Thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was that was cool. Uh, for those of you who are listening, this is uh, the latest episode of the Glory in Our Stories uh, with myself, Kevin Wayne Pennywell Jr., and my guest, uh, Bahar Jalalian. That's it. Yo, thank you for listening. Tune in next time for the latest episode of the glory in our stories.